I'm Derek Thompson, the host of The Ringer podcast, Plain English. Look, a lot of news these days is kind of nonsense. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here. I'm just trying to ask the questions that matter from people who know more than I do about everything I'm curious about. And that's most things. Recession fears, AI hyperbole, psychology, productivity, China, war, streaming, movies, sports, you name it. The world without jargon. The news without bias. Plain English with Derek Thompson. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Or at least I don't do crystal meth in the bathroom all night long. That's my opinion! He will never emotionally fulfill you. Because I don't want to be a part of it. Go to sleep! Go to Close your legs to married men, trash box. I'll tell you how I'm doing. Not well, bitch. Hold on, check me, boo. All right, well, welcome to another episode, another week of Morally Corrupt. A jam-packed week, in fact. I am Chelsea Stark-Jones, and Rachel will be back, guys. We promise she is just gallivanting across Europe, but she will be back soon. Do not worry. But today I am joined by Zach Peter to discuss a hell of a lot that's going on in Bravo. Zach, how are you? I'm great. I mean, there's so much to discuss from like the content. Like we have so many shows on Bravo right now. And then all of the news that's been going on throughout the week. Like it's, we have a jam-packed episode today. News, 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 content, content, content we do. So we're going to start off with news of the week. Zach will join me with that, as well as with Real Housewives of Atlanta, the most awkward reunion scene I think we may have ever seen. Southern Charm and OC. And then our girl Jody Walker will be joining us for Real Housewives of New York and Salt Lake City a little bit later in the show. But let's just jump right into that news. Um... I guess it was Rachel's birthday this past week. And so she posted her first, I think it was her first grid post um, since all of Scandaval and whatnot. Um, But she posted this and it was like a little video of her at some flower farm or something. It was really irrelevant. Um, Listen, she's gone back to her Bambi roots and now she's just frolicking in the garden. In the secret garden. She's used to being in the secret garden and now she's sharing it with us on Instagram. 
Yes. And as my producer, Devin, pointed out, Rachel Levis, not our wonderful, beautiful, and inspiring oh. <laughs> Rachel Lindsay. Rachel Levis uh, posted her first pic on Instagram for her birthday. And Tom Sandoval, being the annoying ex-boyfriend that he is, wrote and commented, Happy birthday, Rachel. I really hope you're finding peace and happiness. Miss you, friend. Zach, like, I don't know about you, but this reminds me of that guy that you you got out of your mind and then he knows that he's out of your mind. So he pops up at that perfect time to like really just irk you. You mean every guy I've ever dated? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he knows when to kind of like, you know, crawl back in because obviously he hasn't heard from her in a minute. He sees that she's on Instagram. So he's just like, let me, you know, this is like the modern day version of like you up at 2 a.m. You yes. know, it's the Instagram. Let me wish you a happy birthday to let you know I'm thinking of you and I'm missing you, but I'm trying to not cross boundaries. But then I also want to let people know that we're good. Yeah. And Rachel might have done the best thing that she has, the best decision she has made since Scandal, <laughs> which was block Tom and then post that she blocked him on her Instagram story with a um, little animated thing that said, okay, bye. I, I love that for her. Yes. But if you actually look at it, Chelsea. Oh, what? If what? you pay attention to the actual screenshot, you'll notice up at the very top, it says that that screenshot. He only has um, 1,003 posts on his grid. And then if you go to his actual profile on the day that she posted that, he has 1,005 posts on his grid, which means this screenshot was from before because if you look at his last two posts, they're both from August. This is She blocked him, allegedly, or according to her story, in September, which means she blocked him at one point and then unblocked him. And that's when he got to come in and leave the comment. And then she re-blocked him and then posted it to her stories. Fascinating. Oh, the detective work. Oh, wow. This... I mean, it changes a little bit. Like, I wonder if they got in a fight, then they got, were okay, and then they got in a fight again, so she blocked him. Like, that's what it seems like. Some Like, the Maybe, most feasible but then reason. There's, there was a story that then conveniently was posted by inside sources um, claiming that they haven't had any communication since June. So, I don't know. It feels like a little PR-y. I, I think she's... She's good at, at kind of milking the PR of it all. And I think right now she knows it looks good if she distances herself from Tom. But listen, she's way better than I am because I wouldn't block him. I would be like, what? You love me? You, you, you know it's my birthday? Okay, come over. No, 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 no. Well, I don't care if it's PR. I hope she, for real, has blocked him and good for her. Um, and then Tom, especially after this, he was at some Special Forces, the new show he's on on Fox, um, premiere, and so when asked about it, he said, you know, I was just wishing her a happy birthday. And then he said that her blocking him was immature and thirsty, which, dude, you you commenting was immature and thirsty. Like, you wanted people to see that you wished her a happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Probably she hasn't <laughs> blocked on her phone. No, yeah. I mean, I think they're both immature and thirsty. Um, but I him think even more so. He's like 40. Like, grow yeah, up, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think the immature and thirsty part was her posting it to her stories. But again, she is younger than... Like, you can tell he's just salty. 
And then he like did like a series of interviews after that where he like continued to double down on it and be like, I don't know if she can really come back because like I did the whole reunion and she got her own trailer and she got to dip in and out whenever she wanted. It's like, so did you during your relationship. But... (laughs) And yeah, he's like, I don't think she should come back to the show because I don't think she can handle it. And, you know, she doesn't know how to take accountability. And I'm just like, really? Now you're going to go on a Let's Blast Rachel PR? Like, you literally blew up your entire life for this chick. And now you're going to, what, throw her to the wolves? Like, Yeah. Not surprised. Uh, not surprised at all. Um, and another Bravo relationship news. Um, both Carl and Lindsay break their silence separately. Um in regards to their breakouts or breakup, excuse me, their broken engagement. Uh, the Summer House couple um, took different ways of doing this. So somehow Carl's uh, message to the guests that were invited to the wedding ended up in um, People Magazine, I believe. So either he gave this uh, message to people or one of their guests leaked the message to people. I'm going to go with the former here. Um, he basically says, you know, words cannot possibly express how difficult these last two weeks have been for Lindsay and I. You know, we're incredibly sorry for the lack of communication. Um, you know, then he goes on to say, there have been a lot of false narratives and misunderstandings that have made this all the more painful. But sadly, at the same time, we are not moving forward with the wedding. Um, the fact of the matter is Lindsay is devastated and I am crushed at how it all transpired. I graciously ask for your patience. And mind you guys, this was a destination wedding in Mexico. So everyone had already booked their hotels, their flights, because it was in November. So basically he says, you know, I don't take this lightly. We are super grateful for the love and support you have shown us and will do what I can to help you with any costs associated with changing plans. I'm sorry again. This has become such a mess. Thank you for your unconditional love and support during this time. So all of their guests, I guess, I mean, if I, I would be pissed if I were that guest, a guest of their wedding, but I, I, I get in return, you get to go to Mexico and not have to go to a wedding I suppose. But then Lindsay spoke out a couple days later via her Instagram. And this is what she says. Um, I would like to start by saying thank you for allowing me the space and process to space and time to process my emotions and heal and grieve the loss of not only a relationship, but a friendship with someone I considered a best friend for eight years. Um, she says, you know, these last two weeks have been heartbreaking. Um, But she also kind of goes and like doubles down on the fact that this was not her decision and that she does not agree with quitting a relationship at this level without trying everything possible first. I have spent the last couple of weeks finding my own closure and peace. Um, Her saying finding my own closure really just makes like he just broke up with her and bounced. That's what that says to me. Well, I read it as she she didn't get the closure she wanted because she didn't fully understand why he was ending the relationship, given that she seems like she really wanted to find a way to make it work. And she's like, I read it as like, he made the decision to leave and then just like totally dipped out of our relationship with like no real conversation or explanation. Yeah. Which I believe. Yeah, I um, believe it too. Yeah. What do you think about Carl's statement to his guests? 
Um, I believe that a guest did leak it because okay. there were a lot of Bravo lebs that were invited to the wedding. And I know a lot of them were talking to a lot of bloggers. So I wouldn't be surprised if like, you know, the captain dude from below deck that was that like gave a statement to the press. Captain or whatever. Lee? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Captain Lee was like, ooh, here's some tea, Us Weekly or People <laughs> Magazine. You know, I, I, I just, I think Bravo lebs are thirsty and they want to, make waves in the Bravo world. So, I mean, I I don't think Carl has any need to leak it. I don't think he cares. Like, I think he just kind of wants it all to kind of die down and go away. I honestly think the only way Carl can rehab his image at this point is to just come out and say that he's gay. Whether he is or he isn't, that's not me speculating on it. I'm just saying that's the only PR strategy. He needs to go full Colton Underwood and be like, listen, I've decided I'm batting for the other team and that's why I left Lindsay. Because like everybody forgot about Colton's drama once he came out as gay and he got a Netflix special. So if Carl wants to rehab his image and get a Netflix special, he should just come out as gay and I'll be his first boyfriend if he's down. <laughs> You guys could be the white twin or the white pants uh, couple. I could see that yeah. for you guys. I'll be his Lauren Workus. Yeah. I mean, lastly, I think that, you know, Craig did, Craig from Southern Charm, who is also sometimes on Summer House because he dates Paige, um, did say in some interview that, you know, the news was shocking to him. But after watching the season, people will probably understand where this breakup is coming from. So I'm looking forward to seeing Summer House this, this year, um, this season. And I guess there's some buildup. I guess there was a lot of fighting this summer between Carl and Lindsay. Um, which still... We need to rush that. I don't care about Winter House. Give me Summer House now. Yeah, we got a Winter House trailer this week also, guys. And it was fine. Um, it was fine. Yes. Um, okay, let's get on to the most awkward reunion episode after the most horrible Atlanta season ever. Um, so Real Housewives of Atlanta season 15 has officially come to an end. Praise be. And it ended on like, you know, we get this whole Ralph and Drew drama. So Ralph finally comes out. And I I will say I was so tired of all the props and the the magazine, the peaches, the stuff. But I did think Drew handing Ralph a peach was suitable. She didn't need to do it for Courtney. Like Drew just needs to pick and choose her prop magic, her prop work. Um it was suitable for Ralph. Uh because he he was just so like the two of them are just very manipulating of one another. And it's so frustrating to watch. And what I gathered from this is June just needs to say what she knows. When she went backstage because she was crying and her sister said, bring up the PI, like, say it, sis. Like, we, we've we already seen the worst. You're alluding to the worst. So you might as well just confirm what it is. Yeah, and that's like an intentional, and I think both Drew and Ralph do this. They intentionally like want to dance around certain topics to make you believe the worst without actually giving you the information. And it's really just to kind of hype you up. So I think they both like to manipulate the narrative in that way. Yes, and you know, they both claim that they, neither of them have been unfaithful to the other. Um they also have not told their kids yet that they are separating and they still live in the same house. So don't know exactly how that dynamic is working. I feel like that might be more toxic for the kids. Like kids are smart. They pick up on the tension 
Like, there's no way in hell Drew and Ralph are in that house being all copacetic and like co-parenting and stuff like that. So it's probably very confusing for them. Um, And yeah, so it's just, it's a, it's a big mess. I really, and then, and then all the other women keep saying like, oh, like you guys will make it work or, oh, I hope you guys make it work. And as I'm watching them, I'm like, why do you want this to work? This doesn't seem healthy for either one of them. No, I, I didn't understand that either. Like there was like the other women seemed to like have hope that it was going to yeah. work out. But like, I'm like, there's nothing here that looks like we need to save this relationship. Like nothing at this point, they just need to it. move on, settle their divorce, focus on the kids and not continue to like try to make it work because I don't think it will ever work. It'll just continue to perpetuate this toxic cycle that they're in. I mean, and come on, is nobody else thinking that like Ralph and Courtney have like an inappropriate relationship? Like I wouldn't be surprised if they banged. I can't, it's so creepy. It's so strange to me. It's so strange. It's so like I don't I don't like Courtney. She just gives me the ick. I didn't like her when she first stepped on the scene this season when she was confronting Candy over something that really didn't make any sense. Um, and I just don't like her now. I didn't like when she brought up Drew's kids in the final episode on her quote unquote hot mic. Um, and then her denying, like, I just this woman is so disgusting. And I I don't believe their cousins. Um and I do believe something inappropriate happened there. But the moment that really took my breath away was, and for a multitude of reasons, a live performance on a reunion stage is weird. To like to have Andy move out of center seat and give the mic to someone to sing live on the on the reunion stage. I was like, this is this is this is weird. And then for said song to essentially be a breakup song about the woman's husband who is sitting on set with her and she is singing the song to him and he refuses to look at her is maybe the best slash worst production move we could have asked for. So cringe. I mean, I guess they got us. I mean, it, it's going to go down as like one of the most awkward reunion moments ever. And it is just so cringe that we can't stop talking about it. But like, it was just so uncomfortable. Like we've seen Housewives perform songs at the reunions before, which is always just like a random aside. And the women are always just like, you know, like nobody really enjoys it. It's always kind of painful to sit through. But to have it be directly to your ex that you're singing to, like, it was just so strange to me. It was so strange. Everyone's reactions were hilarious. Marlo was given the subtle, like, church nod along. Sheree was kind of, like, it, it, my favorite, though, was Andy, who was me in this moment. When he leaned over to Kenya and was like, is she singing to him? And Kenya's like, yes. <laughs> and his face of like, ugh, eek, was so... Like, that's how I was sitting there watching it on the on TV. Like, secondhand embarrassment. Like, how did this decision come about? Like, was it like, hey, I want to sing a song? Like, I just want to know, like, what the thought process was and, like, the producers that, like, worked on this segment. Because I'm... I mean, television gold, but also just like I had secondhand embarrassment watching her and him. Like, could you imagine sitting there as your ex, as you're like going through a divorce and your ex is singing you the sad breakup song and like how that you, but like, it was just. Oh, he looked I like can't. he wanted to storm off the set. It was Ugh. so 
horrifying, but also so glorious at the same time. Um, I just love how Marlo kept like trying to validate her by just like, you know, giving yes. her a full, you know, you go. Marlo like, did just the like, slow church nod. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, I guess hopefully Real Housewives of Atlanta next season delivers in a way that it did not this season. Um, we shall see. But what did deliver? Surprisingly, not surprisingly, I didn't realize how much I missed these charmers on my TV screen. Southern Charm Season 9, Episode 1, Vows, Vendettas, and Vibrators. Clever. Um, Premiered last night, Thursday night on Bravo. And it started off with a two-month rewind giving us this whole teaser of the supposed did they, did they not Austin and Taylor hookup drama um predictions did they did they not zach uh, i want to believe that they did but they're just denying it so hard that i'm like i think that they did something happened maybe it was like a drunk make out in a cuddle i don't think they did you know full boom boom in the bedroom but i think there was definitely some sort of line that was crossed yeah, I agree. I think a line was crossed and they're denying it so hard because they said, we're taking this to our graves. Um, yeah. But so, how did it get out? Like, Austin had to have gotten drunk one night and said something to someone and it he got He said it to Craig town. and Craig is the blabbermouth yeah. of the group. Um, so we get a whole new catch-up of, of everyone, all the doings. Um, Craig's house is under construction still, but it's coming along. Paige was there. And they're having, you know, they've been together for over a year at this point. And Craig is ready. To, we saw it on Summer House. He's ready to get married. He's ready to do all the things. Paige is not. Do you think this relationship's going to last? I don't know. I did not like watching it. And when they were together, like Paige just seems insufferable. I didn't, I really liked her when she first came on to Summer House. And then as she's like progressively you know, as the seasons have gone on, I just feel like she's become more and more inseparable. And then now seeing her and Craig together in their relationship, like he's just like so ready to wife her up and settle down and have like a cute little life together with her. And she just has a broomstick so far up her ass. And I'm just like, Paige, can we just like chill? Yeah, she does not give the warm and fuzzy person of the relationship, which is so like, I feel like Craig needs that. He needs someone to like coddle him and... She does not coddle him whatsoever. He needs a Southern sweetheart, and she's like a real, you know, Manhattan. New York bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also was kind of turned off by her in this scene as well. Because um, you could just tell he really wants to be with her. He loves her. He wants to take care of her and like make make his home their home. And she's like, nah, 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 dude. Um I don't think she's ready to settle down, but I think he is. Like, we've yeah. really seen Craig come full circle, and now he's like, okay, I'm ready to kind of, you know, and settle. And I understand and her point of being like, I would literally be uprooting my entire life to move down to Charleston with you and starting this family and stuff. And starting a family away from my family, like, that would also kind of... Like, that scares me, like, to be away from my mom when I'm having kids. Like, that's essentially what... Craig is asking her to do. So like I understand that hesitancy, but like there's also just this lack of of like love. It feels like emotion in the relationship, I guess. Um I don't see them lasting. I don't think they're going to last long term. I think she's going to break up with him. He's going to be heartbroken. Uh but like it's 
compatibility-wise, it's not realistic. He's never going to move to New York and she's never going to move to Charleston. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's not. Um, Madison. So she is my favorite charmer. Um, I find her to be hilarious, gorgeous. Um, Aside from Austin. No. (laughs) Hilarious, gorgeous, fashionable. I love everything about her. Whenever she's on the screen, my eyes, my phone is down. My eyes are glued to Madison LaCroix. We get her beautiful new house, which I have seen not in real life, but on Instagram. And um, and we finally meet her husband on camera, her husband, Brett, um, and who is so adorable, so cute. As she's making her son some ramen noodles, he's out playing water guns or whatever it was, Nerf guns with, with her son. And it's just like this cute little home scene. We learned that Brett is a firefighter chief in California who has gone for a few days at a time. But so when she, when he's home, she really wants to make it like, be like the cute little housewife. And I just, I loved, I loved it. I was like, yes, yes, Madison, you, you go girl. She's finally getting the relationship that she deserves yeah. and wants. Like, I would have, like, she was never going to get this with Austin. Like, no. Austin is just not there. Um, And so it's nice. I liked seeing him interact with her son. I think yeah. that was a really big telling piece of, like, you know, this is a good guy and this is a relationship that's probably going to last because you can tell how much love he has, not just for her, but for this family that she has and for this life. He's very much embraced her life. You know, whereas I think sometimes when guys come into a relationship, they often want the attention on them. They kind of take the woman away from her life. Whereas in this case, he seems to really be embracing hers. Yeah. And, you know, Austin was good for a moment. He's not good for a long time. He's not at this point ready to be stepdad and to play Nerf guns every night while you're making dinner. Like that's not, that's not where he is. And that's where Brett is. And I I agree. I'm so happy that she's found this. And I love, I love watching her along this journey on Instagram and stuff like that. I think it's so cute. But now seeing it play out on the show and hearing Brett talk um, is, is precious. Um, and then <laughs> Hard cut to Austin being alone making tea um, at his his house in Charleston. Um, we learn that Madison did invite Austin to their uh, to Brett and Madison's like post wedding celebration because they got married in Mexico. It was a really small celebration, so they wanted to celebrate with their friends in Charleston. Um, and then Taylor and Olivia are besties after both of their breakups. They're doing this cute little roller skating thing together. And Shep. Shep has returned home after a long bout of traveling. He went to Australia for a few weeks. Austin joined him as well as going to South Africa. He seems to be taking this breakup from Taylor fine. Does not understand why Taylor can't just get over it and why they can't immediately be friends, which again is such a dude thing. To expect the girl that you you broke her heart to just want to be best friends with you right away. I mean, he, I, Shep is the one that I like the least. I don't get how anybody likes Shep. He is just like, there's no character development. There's no character. He's just like consistently bad and like is just so out of touch. And like, I want to know who he's going to ultimately end up settling down with because they have to really be willing to put up with his shit. And I just... Poor Taylor. Poor Taylor. And yes, I 
I would also argue that Austin has not had much character arc either. <laughs> but, no, but Shep, there's, there's, just... a, there's a, something a little bit more likable about Austin, I will admit. But Shep is just like this 40, mid 40 year old man. I think he's almost 50. Like that still is acting the same way he did when he was. So I agree with you. Like he is my least favorite as well. Um, and then we get Vanita. She has a boyfriend, a new boyfriend, um, who was a friend of hers. And she is also eager to be friends. Her and Madison had squashed their beef and they are friends again, which makes me happy because I didn't like their little friendship argument. I thought it was fighting over a game of telephone, essentially. Yeah. So um, this all leads up to a beautiful, beautiful wedding after party. I was wishing I had been invited. Like, I wanted to be there. Someone take me to a beautiful home in Charleston, South Carolina with a pool, a oyster shucker guy just walking around anytime you want him, just flag him over. Hey, Mr. Oyster Shucker, can pop me an oyster? A champagne bar as soon as you walk in. A martini bar. This, this was, I needed, I wanted to be there so badly. This was the party. It really was. I was very impressed. Um, I thought it was a great... I mean, everybody... You had your your champagne. You had your own personal mini cake at the end of it. Like, Madison LaCroix knows how to throw a party. Yes, I was taken by this. That was pretty much all I got away from the party was how much I wanted to be there. But there was some drama. So this... <laughs> talk about secondhand embarrassment. Austin meeting Brett for the first time. Um, trying to be funny by saying the bottle of champagne he got them was like a bomb. So be careful. Don't shake it. And then just not knowing when to exit said conversation um, was weird. Oh, and also when they were talking about their honeymoon and he was like, oh, you always wanted to go to Singapore. Like, oh, weird. Like, he knows this because he dated her. It's just like one of those things where it's just like, oh my God, this is so cringy. <laughs> So I mean, I love that Madison invited him because I know that was yeah. like a talk at the top of the episode about like how awkward and weird that is. No, I love that she invited him so she can be like, look at you could have had all this. You yeah. could have had your friends eating personalized individual cakes and drinking from the champagne bar and you didn't. So, you know, swipe left. But here's my life. I have a good man. He's, he takes care of me. You know, he and loves me. I'm curious me. because you are an Austin apologist slash lover, it seems. Austin was not impressed by Brett. He felt like Madison overhyped him um, and doesn't seem like, you know, he's that good looking of a guy. What, what, what is, who, who, who would you rather? Oh, I need to go to therapy to answer that question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brett is definitely the one that you want, right? He's a firefighter. He's tall. He is built. He loves your kid. He can provide a good life for you. He can take care of you. He can make you feel safe. But Austin is just exciting, you know? You no, never know not. what to expect. <laughs> you never... No, it's exciting in the sense of, like, you just... You never know what you're going to get. You're, like, on a roller coaster. Am I going to get never ghosted? Know when it's gonna drop. Or is he going to wife me up? Exactly. And no. it just keeps the plot constantly <laughs> twisting that you're just... You're in it, you know? You're all along for the ride. Well, <laughs> like, Brett is the guy you should always pick. 
Austin is probably the guy that I'm just gonna like. I would be with Brett, and then I would be like, but my heart still wants Austin. I'm oh my so sorry. Gosh, well, Olivia <laughs> does not feel that way, and neither do I, because I I was like, Brett's the catch here. Austin, shut your mouth. Um, Olivia. So basically, what happened between Olivia and Austin was after BravoCon, supposedly. Um, Austin tells Olivia that, you know, he wants to make this serious. He wants to lock it down with her. And then a week later, he says, hey, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. I changed my mind. Don't want to do that. And so Olivia was like, screw you, dude. We're done. Not going to talk to you again. I'm going to thumbs up your Merry Christmas text message to me because why are you even texting me Merry Christmas, you psycho? Um... And so she she also, they have a weird kind of cold encounter at the party as well. She was a little bit more warm than Taylor was to Shep when he finally had the cojones to step up to her and say hello. Um, I say good on Taylor for not entertaining Shep in the way in which he wanted to be entertained. I think being short with him, being cold with him, was the correct approach in this situation, especially if she feels and knows that he cheated on her throughout her entire relationship. Like, why give him any any grace in this moment? Yeah. I mean, listen, Taylor came in hot and she was ready for a confrontation. And the more champagne she sipped on, like the the more her meter just kept going up and up and up. Yes. And I will say this. I did meet Taylor at BravoCon last year. Um, she's a very tiny girl. She's tall, but thin. And I don't think she could power through a lot of alcohol that strong. Like she, she doesn't seem, I won't call her lightweight, but it probably gets to her very quickly. And uh, I think her explosion towards the end of the party was very heavily influenced by the alcohol consumption that she was partaking in, taking advantage of that open bar, the martini bar, the open bar, like all the champagne bar. I think Taylor was a little buzzy buzz when she started to go in um, and kind of rehash the story that we saw at the reunion last season where Craig got in the way of Shep hooking up with one of Leva's employees at one of her restaurants or bars or something like that. And as Shep tells it in the story of like, I had to physically like move him away, sit him down and say, stop because Shep was going to make out with this girl. And Taylor feels betrayed by Craig because she felt like he kind of made light of the situation as he was retelling the story to other people. And which I could see as being hurtful. But Craig's argument with this is like, be mad at your sleazy ex-boyfriend. Taylor also feels like Craig kind of just left her in the dust after Shep broke up with her. And Craig says, well, Shep's my friend. Not you, basically. Um, So I felt bad for Taylor, but I felt bad for her mostly because I could tell she wasn't fully coherent and this wasn't the time to have this argument. 
No, I felt bad for her because she looked like an idiot. I was like, why are none of her girlfriends (laughs) coming and like grabbing her and saving her? Like, she's going to be so embarrassed when she watches this play out. Because it's like she had valid points, right? You know, she, I think, was more hurt that she felt like Craig ditched her and their friendship more than she was upset about anything else. Upset about, you know, the girl and Craig making light of telling the story. I think she's hurt and she's embarrassed that the story was being told. Um... But I think Craig was right. You know, I think he's like, she's being drunk right now. And like, you have no reason to direct, you're projecting your anger at him onto me. And I didn't do anything to you. I understand that we're not as close as we used to be. But like, Shep is my boy. We did have a friendship. But like, you know, my loyalty is to Shep. He's my my friend friend. Um, so I just wish somebody would have grabbed the poor girl and was like, okay, sweetie, come on, let's go. Yeah. It's time to move on. Olivia tried, but she was being a little too gentle um, with her. Yeah, Olivia needed to kind of fully really get step in. in. Um, and then Taylor ended the fight as Craig was walking out the door saying, what about your girl cheating on you? Who do you think she was talking about? Or was she being like hypothetical in this moment? What are your thoughts? I think, yeah, initially I was like, what? Paige cheated on Craig? But I don't think Paige cheated on Craig. Uh, I think that it was like a hypothetical that she was trying to make, but it didn't land the way that I think she was hope- was trying to send that message. Yeah, I agree. I kind of, when I heard it, it, especially in the preview, like as they teased it, I was like, oh, Paige cheated, but then in context of the fight, it was like, well, ha- kind of like, how would you feel if your girl cheated on you type of a thing? Um, but this season of Southern Charm seems promising. It was a good, good premiere. It was a very good premiere. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I missed too. Austin on my TV screen. I did not. But <laughs> Real Housewives of Orange County, I did miss. I've really been enjoying this season of OC. Oh, so good. Um, and really look forward to it coming on every week. Like I, I don't remember the last time I felt this way about Orange County, where it's like, oh, OC's OC's on. I get to turn it on. So season 17, episode 15, Viva La Tres Amigas. Um, so we get Vicky. Um, Vicky arrives day two in Mexico and, uh, she shows up like a bat out of hell, ready to chug tequila shots and whoop it up. (laughs) Everyone needs a Vicky in their friend group. Everyone needs that party starter, you know? But it's funny because that wasn't like season one, Vicky. Like this is like, Vicky's become this crazy party girl. I love it. I'm here for it. Um... Yeah, I'm glad that we're getting Vicky in these little doses, though. I think Vicky is a perfect friend of. She gets to come. She gets to be fun. She gets to stir the pot. I think it's it's a good role for her. I don't know. She is really still campaigning to be a full-time housewife. And speaking of, she was on Watch What Happens Live after this episode came on with her other uh, members of Trace Amigas. And she was given the... Wifetime Achievement Award, uh, which will be presented to her at BravoCon. I guess they're doing this new award show at BravoCon called The Bravos. And so Vicky was is the first recipient of the Wifetime Achievement Award. So congrats to Vicky Gummelson, the OG I mean, of the OC. I mean, just said that she was old. Like, that's really what that, like, lifetime achievement. It's like, this is the first one from the first show that's the first, like, star that whatever. 
The sure. shade and disrespect on my girl VG's <laughs> name. Oh my goodness. I cannot with this. Um, the highlight of this episode, though, did come towards the end. Um, the ladies are doing a water aerobics activity, which I saw a TikTok last night of that friend on vacation that only wants to drink. And when you ask to do activities, they're like, no, thank you. I'm dr- Drinking's my activity. That's me. Do not ask me to do water aerobics. Do not ask me to do water aerobics. I want to sit by the pool and drink my champagne. I don't want to... like When Dustin and I went to Cabo last November... There was like a pool volleyball game going on. He's like, let's play. I'm like, no, I'll watch you play. I'm not playing. I am drinking my margarita. You could play. Like, wh- why would I want to do water aerobics? Oh, man. No, I was like, that looks so fun. I was like, then you get a workout <laughs> in. And then you. I was like, I'm the complete opposite. No. I'm very much like, I'm up at 6 a.m. on vacation. Like, that's me sleeping in at 6.30. I was no. just in Vegas. And I, we would, like, we went out and we'd get home at, like, 3. And then I'd be up at 6. And then I'd be, like, waiting for the other boys to be up. And then at 8.30, I'm like, okay, guys, it's 8.30. Is anybody up yet? I'm, I loved water aerobics. I was like, I wish I was doing that. I was doing the moves in the pool. I was like, yes. Like, Shannon, embrace this. Note to self, never ask Zach to go on vacation with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will say this. If you go on vacation, you will wake up to breakfast, coffee, and fresh water. Like, you will wake up to a spread. I will take care of you. I will be the mama. Okay, it comes with its pros, I guess. Uh, but they do <laughs> do these water aerobics and these really funny swim- one-piece swimsuits, which... Earlier in the episode, we had a, a really relatable moment with Shannon about like not feeling comfortable in a swimsuit, which I thought was um, endearing of her. Um, and then Emily pointed to the fact that it's because John Jansen puts her down often, which Shannon did dispute on Watch What Happens Live, but I kind of do believe Emily. Um, I believe it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so these do the water aerobics, but afterwards, uh, they sit down for lunch and champagne and start talking. And this is when things get sticky. So Gina brings up to, to Jen, like, why do you keep kind of taking the punches when it comes to your relationship? Like that night before Vicky brought up, like, you remind me of me in a lot of ways. Like, your relationship reminds me basically of my relationship with Brooks. Like, everyone was telling me it was bad, but I loved him and I stayed with him. And Jen kind of just took it and didn't seem to take too much offense to it. And Gina's like, why do you allow these girls to keep kind of steamrolling your relationship? Like, why don't you speak up for yourself? Why don't you defend it? And Tamara overhears this conversation and decides to butt in. And it just goes left pretty quickly and also confusing because Jen's still trying to protect Ryan. And so I I don't understand what I gathered from it was that Tamara is friends with a woman that Ryan slept with when they were on their quote unquote break. Jen and him were on their break. Um, This woman told Tamara that the relationship continued on even after Jen and Ryan got back together. And, but it seems like Jen is aware of that and is still okay with being with Ryan. Is that what you gathered? 
Yes. Okay. And my thing is, it's like, I get it. I don't believe that Tamara's just doing this because she's concerned. I think Tamara's doing this for the show. Yeah. Um. I mean, I understand Jen not always coming in to defend her relationship because at this point, I get it. She's tired of defending her relationship and she's like, what is the issue? I've chosen to stay with this guy. You guys think he's terrible, but I've chosen to stay with him. And I liked that Vicky in that moment told Tamara, she's like, listen, just like me, I get it. You didn't like Brooks and everybody was telling me he was terrible, but I needed to go through that. And like, sometimes you just need to go through it and learn that this is a bad guy all on your own. Yeah. And, and I agree with that. And so... Yes, I do not believe that Tamara is coming from a good place with this. Um, she says that it reminds her of of Vicky and Brooks, and like that. She, and she was vocal about Vicky and Brooks. She was very vocal, and it did, you know, ruin their relationship for a period of time. I don't think that's this. I think this is Tamara coming back on the show, making sure she still has her orange for the following seasons to come, and stirring this up. Um, so, and then Tamara hits her with a line that I, I do think went a little below the belt and says, you ruined your entire, your whole family to get with this guy. You left for a player. You're not the only person he fucked at my gym. Um, yeah, I mean, again, if, if Tamara was being genuine, I could see like, you really do want better for your friend. Like, you know, this person's not good enough for your friend. You want better for your friend. Your friend risked it all for, for this guy. I I could see if she was being really genuine how that point would come across. However, because she's not and she's being malicious, like this was so below the belt. It was. It was very below the belt. And I think she just wants to get a reaction out of Jen. Um, and I think even in some somewhere in Tamara's brain, she's like, if I can get Jen to react, then that's Jen doing... Like, I think she wants Jen to perform well on the show. And she knows that, like, Jen can react in this way. And she, the more she sees Jen be passive about the relationship, I think she, in her way, is, like, making... And I think they said that. She's making Jen relevant by, you know, getting her to talk about these issues in her relationship. But it's, like, at the end of the day, like, we need to move on. We've had this conversation so many times. I get it. Ryan's a terrible guy. But Jen's just gonna have to see that all on her own. Maybe watching the season back, she'll be able to kind of see some of that. But we don't see a lot of Ryan. We just see a lot of talk about Ryan from Tamara. I mean, what I do see of Ryan makes me want to vomit, but <laughs> I will say... Oh, the, the Ed Hardy outfits don't do it for you. Him in the sh- bathroom to get... Like, when they were in the bathroom to get... And actually, yeah, like that... Knowing this information now even provides more context to her in that bathroom scene when she's saying, like... I forget what exactly she was saying, but, like, We've had these obstacles. So yeah, if it wasn't just one time and she knows it wasn't just one time that he was sleeping with this girl and then he was so like quick to belittle that fling that he had. And it's like, no, sir, like you, you had a long-term affair with her, it seems. And so for her to be like, yeah, I don't want to marry you. But like, also, why the fuck are you with him? I, I, I do appreciate like this new ripple of information. I do think the story is like dragging on a little bit, but we are getting more information that kind of makes it seem interesting. So I I don't know. Uh, It seems like the women do not lay off Jen (laughs) next week either. (laughs) Um, But 
I th- I do think to Gina's point, Jen just needs to like buck up a little bit and say, back the fuck off. This is what it is. And kind of punch the bullies in the mouth, essentially. Yeah, I think if she really puts her foot down and stands up to Tamara, then Tamara will maybe kind of back down a bit. But I mean, I don't know. That's not Tamara's... It's not Tamara's MO. <laughs> that's not her MO. <laughs> but I have to say, my favorite line of this entire episode was Gina shading Vicky by calling her, Shannon, and Tamara the Trace Abuelas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, Gina, give us more. <laughs> um, it, I need a Gina versus Vicky. I don't need moment. that. I don't love Gina. She's coming into her own, but she's no Emily Simpson. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. But but that that does it for OC, Zach. We got a lot in. We did. We did, but we still got a lot more to go, guys. We got Jody Walker joining us. We'll see you next week, Zach. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Ice Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Ice Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, We're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Jody, how you doing? We got Real Housewives in New York to talk. The ladies are still in Anguilla. They are still, I don't know what the equivalent of whooping it up in New York is, but they're, they're doing it. They're doing something in New York. I think the equivalent of whooping it up in New York is like very petty fighting. Like they're yeah. just arguing nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so Chelsea, I didn't even greet you. I just got right into like, these girls got to chill out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jody. Yes. Hey. Yes, they do need to chill out. It's a lot of petty fighting. So there's no whooping it up in New York or in Anguilla as that's where the ladies are. Um, 
we get a lot of beef squashing at this dinner that they go to at this cute little beach shack um, in the lot and and on, on the beach. Yeah, um, it was weird to see them in like a normal place or to see any group of housewives in like a a place that it looked like I would go. <laughs> you know, they were like being served on paper plates. I don't know what was going on. So yeah, so they're at this little beach shack restaurant in Anguilla, and we get you know some bearing of the hatchets, I guess. Um, first between Bryn and Aaron, you know, Jessel kind of brings up a joke about swapping clothes and not swapping husbands, and which is in reference to something Bryn said at Aaron's anniversary party to Abe, Aaron's husband. And Uba really, you know, I appreciate her standing down for the, the married women of the world. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate her being like, I want to be extremely clear. I'm not standing up for Aaron. I'm standing up for married women. <laughs> and then later, Aaron is like, I so appreciate Uba right now. She's standing up for me. She's such a good friend. And Uba's like, no, I'm just stirring stuff up. <laughs> um, but I agree. Like, I feel like these women are kind of brushing this off. Or like, I would be annoyed and offended if Aaron or if Bren was making these types of jokes to my husband. Um, especially like the way in which Jessel and her are minimizing the situation and knowing what she said. <laughs> They're also lying. They're definitely yes. lying. Like maybe not on purpose, but when it first came up, they were like, no one said divorce. No one said divorce. I mean, Bryn was like getting into the logistics of divorce. She was like, let's talk custody. Let's talk trial <laughs> separation. Let's talk divorce <laughs> law in New York City. Like they were, it's, it's so, Bryn's behavior, it's okay. It's hard. I get it because Aaron's annoying. So like you want to not be on Aaron's side, but Bryn is also being so confusing in this situation, the way that she's talking about, I mean, Br Aaron obviously gets really confused because Bryn is like, I do want to apologize for saying that your party was boring. That was extremely rude. And Aaron's like, um, it was actually more rude when you asked my husband if he would like to divorce me in order to marry you. I did find that a little bit more rude. Yes, yes. The how, but then Bryn wanting an apology from Aaron for accusing her of flirting with a married man, man, in which she she did. She, she did. did. She did. Man. She has got to stop saying you accused me of something that I would never do when the whole defense of Bryn doing it, the reason that everyone's like, actually, no, this is fine is because they're like, Bryn's a flirt. Bryn flirts with everyone. That includes married men. She was flirting. I mean, it's Aaron's not saying you were trying to steal my husband. She's saying you were flirting with my husband at my anniversary party while he was coming to find me so that we could give our terrible, boring vows. <laughs> she did it. It's fine. She did it and it's fine. It's fine and she did it. Not fine, but she did it. Not fine. It's not fine. We, we're with Uva. We're standing we up for stand married, with women. married women. Here, I'm morally corrupt. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I I like Bryn, but it's stuff like this where I'm just like, you're to me, she's more annoying than Aaron. Like Aaron. Ooh. Yeah, I I don't Aaron doesn't bother me in the ways that I know she bothers a lot of other people. Well, you stand with married women. I stand with married women. <laughs> <laughs> and I stand with single women talking about freezing their eggs. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, which we will get to. Uh huh. And then um, the beef between Jenna and literally everybody at the table, they all believe that Jenna really did want to fly coach rather than come early with or later with them. I just, I, I also feel like that, like, Jenna is someone that I know everyone loves. Like, I like her. I like her in confessionals more than I like her in group settings. Um, but like, what what difference does it make? She's here with you this entire trip. Like, if she was leaving early, I would get it. Or if she arrived late, I would get it. But she arrived on time and she's going to be with you all week. Like, what? who cares? And she's very clearly, actually, very self-conscious about her skin. Whether they agree with it or not, whether they relate to it or not, she is like very evidently self-conscious about this to so to like stay on the line that she that she just that she just wanted to be able to fly business class they don't believe that they're just it's like they're hazing her it really is like they are all sort of of a piece and they all get each other and Jenna is different and they're trying to break her. That makes it sound really malicious. I don't think that it's really malicious. I think it's just a natural instinct. I think they're like, we're going to make you like us. We're going to make you the way that we want you to be. And we're going to do it in the way that we would be comfortable with. Because like, I really feel like Jenna is opening up. She talks she talks about a lot of stuff to even say that she's self-conscious about her skin is opening up. Like I don't, and then they're obviously just in, go ahead. And in their defense, I will say like, she opens up to us, like to the audience. Like we hear a lot of Jenna's backstory when she's in her confessionals. So we understand and we have sympathy for her. However, last week when she was honest with them about, her skin and wanting to tan and the unevenness of her skin and stuff like that. They tore her down immediately and said it was a cop out. So I think they can't say that they want her to be honest with them. And then when she finally is honest and vulnerable with them, it's not acceptable to them. And, and this is mostly towards Cy and Bryn, um, that are kind of like leading the charge with this. I don't really think Jessel cares that much. Aaron, of course, stirred the pot by even mentioning it. And Uba doesn't really seem to care that much either. But Cy and Bren seem to take like the most offense to this. And like, I don't know. I, I was talking to my mom last week. Um, and she Mom's followed a big topic in this episode. <laughs> she followed Cy prior to the season of Roni. And she was really excited to see her. And I think it's one of those things of seeing like influencers in the wild. Like now my mom's like, I really don't like Psy. And it's almost like, could this be bad for Psy's brand? Like people actually seeing what she's like as opposed to not what she presents herself as to to be. Um, Because she's not coming off likable this season. She's probably my least least favorite. I appreciate her story and her background and how hard she's worked to be where she is. But like, she, she's a nagging, nagging housewife. She's I don't like uh, her. not charming. I mean, no. the, way, like, the, the way that like, who is it? Aaron and Bryn are like in the middle of a conversation. She's like, let's order. Let's order. Yes. I'm hungry. Like, and then, I mean, and they, you know, they all managed to do it. I, I genuinely thought Aaron just wasn't going to order because she seemed like she wasn't going to be able to get her act together. 
But I think you're right about that. Like we hear a lot about Jenna and her confessionals, but I do think that every time she does open up to them, it doesn't go that well or they want her to do it differently. And I have to say, I find the way that Bryn and Cy keep bringing up that her real name is Judith extremely suspect. Like, it's not like that is betrayal. Like, it, it, something about it feels a little dirty to me, the way that they keep trying to act like that is evidence that they don't actually know her. Lots of people go by nicknames or by their middle names or by shortened versions of their names. And her origin story of her name is kind of embarrassing. So, like, it's just not unreasonable that they wouldn't know that. And then now that they do, that they keep using it against her, why would that then, like, instinctually make her want to open up more? And then also, she was just so emotional about it that it did it did make me sad. Yeah. <laughs> she did get emotional, and Aaron came over and gave her a hug. But... Someone else telling their life story didn't go well. And that was that was Jessel, um, who told a really long and confusing story about her background or her family's background, it seems. Uh, her uncles got involved somehow. Um, and I do think I saw like something of a preview next week, but it I think she does feel how do I say that? I don't... I feel like she wants to relate to the women. So she's trying to make her story seem a little bit harder than maybe it was to be able to like have some type of bond with someone like Sai or Bryn who has struggled in their lives to get to where they're at. And so I, I do think she's trying to like, in some ways it seems to try to downplay like, oh, I had to stay at my uncle's apartment and it was so hard and like blah, blah, blah. And it's like... Okay, at least she, she hasn't even said she stayed at her uncle's apartment. She's saying that her uncles had to sleep on park benches. Oh, yeah. Because Sorry. they <laughs> wanted to be photographers. It's like, well, you know, that's a choice. I don't know. Like, <laughs> and uh, obviously, you know, and she talked to us about this a bit on the podcast. And like, she does have a really interesting and unique backstory. You know, she wasn't uh, just... She, you know, it is interesting, but that's what it is, is interesting. It's not like real rough and tumble. And she does kind of keep trying to give, seemingly to give this narrative that it, that like, yeah, that she's in she's a She's had it hard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's fine to me. It's fine to be mid. Like, it's fine to just be right there in the middle of, you know, it wasn't easy it wasn't terribly hard. It was just interesting. You don't have to bring your uncles into it. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Before we move past Jenna and Bryn and Sai, I just do have to give the editors a shout out for when J Jenna is trying to explain that she told that model her about her nickname because the model was so nervous that she was like shaking and about to cry. And Bryn was like, I've been shaking and crying in front of you before and you didn't open up about yourself. And Jenna was like, what would it have been like if when you had been talking about your extremely painful childhood, I had started talking about my extremely mid story about my nickname and then the editors clip it, clip together the alternate universe as though she had done that. And I was like, that is perfect. And that's also <laughs> power. And that also shows us what they're capable of. So always look alive. That was funny. Yeah, that was really funny. Yes. If in the middle of Bren talking about 
how her mother left her abandoned, Jenna was like, "Yeah, my brother used to call me Jenna, Jenna, Jenatelia. That that would have been that would have been uncalled for." That and that's what New for. York like that. I I didn't love this episode. You know, I've been loving the reboot, but I didn't love this episode because that's what it feels like. New York whooping it up is becoming is like litigating things endlessly and you can't win. And like Uba says at the end of this dinner, like you get reamed for not opening up if you're Jenna. You get made fun of for opening up if you're Jessel and talking too, opening up too much. It just, it is kind of like, oh, what is going to be, what is going to make these women happy? Yeah, I, you're right. Like I, I enjoyed it because I just like looking at them on my screen. I, there's I do. Something I do ab- love them. about. Yeah, there's something about watching them just makes me happy. But I, I do agree with you. It is a lot. Like I would like to see a drunk, a drunken night, someone falling in a rose bush, someone breaking an ankle, getting out a hot tub, or something like that. Like I would like to see just some New York traditions. You know. Yeah, it's the culture. Yes. Um. So, but however, the next breakfast we do rehash some more things. Um. We learn a little bit more about Sai's mother, um, who had, who struggled with alcoholism and who ultimately died alone, which was a really sad story. Um, or not alone. Sai was with her, but had a heart attack alone in a park. Um, and then they tra- transitioned um, onto the beach. And it did actually seem like they had some fun on the beach. They were taking photos. Um, Jenna was, you know, photo designing them. Uba also. Like, it was cute. Um... And then they move on to a lunch, a lunch away at another little beach shack. Um, Brent kind of talks to us about her dating life. And I, th- I think it was Jessel who brought it up or Sai, I can't remember, but someone asked how her dating life's going. And Brent kind of goes into how she thought about freezing her eggs. She really wants to have kids. She's not sure if she's going to have kids with man, like with a partner, but she thought about freezing her eggs. And she talks about this consultation that she had. I'm not familiar with egg freezing. I don't know about embryos, but the women at the table, like Uba got her eggs frozen. So she had some knowledge. And Bryn said something that I guess struck them as odd about the practitioner saying like you should do embryos and find who you want to it like impregnate your I'll tell you what she said okay please (laughs) she said on the intake form there was this is what I understood her to say that on the intake form there was a place to put who you would want to fertilize your eggs to create embryos, which she was told in the intake process were more viable. So like Bryn is a storyteller. She's telling this story and she's like, so it's like on the intake form, who are you going to do this with? And I was like, uh, okay. So I start scrolling through my phone thinking about who, who I want to, you know, fertilize my eggs or whatever. And to me, it was very obvious that like, this is on the form and she's joking. Like she, she's maybe embezzling. she actually was looking through her phone, but like she's joking. They weren't telling her she needed to sign on a dotted line for like, you know, which, which guy named like Ryan Bumble in her phone. She's going to have fertilizer eggs. But Aaron just, Aaron, Aaron's been drinking, I think. 
I think yeah, she 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 did seem a little drunk um at the table, and so she asked Uba like, "I feel like her story's made up. Doesn't it sound a little weird?" And it like yeah, it did seem a little weird. Um, but it, you know, Bren takes offense to it. Bren hears Aaron's like, "Yeah, I think this is a weird story. I think you're lying about this." Um, and to your point, like I do think I think she was fabricating. She was like making a mundane story a little exciting, like a little fun. No, here's um, the thing. I have said on this podcast a number of times, Bryn is a liar because <laughs> I I do believe that she lies. And I actually do believe that this could be a lie. Like that could not, it's just, I would really buy if she was like kind of a pathological liar because of the way that she tells stories. And like, that might be something that Aaron is picking up on and getting annoyed with because... But it's like, I don't really trust Aaron's intentions with being annoyed with it either. Because I think when, I think she's like a little jealous of Bren and the attention that she gets. And, but Bren knows how to get attention. And sometimes that's lying a little bit. I don't know. It's just some, the, those two, the way they behave together, you know, and then ultimately like Bren gets really upset. And then she is like really down and she tells Sai that she's not going to go to dinner. And then, uh, am I skipping any major, am I skipping any major beats, um, at this lunch? So she, she tells Sai she's not going to go to dinner. Then she goes to tell Aaron and she wants Aaron to know that she's not mad at her. That's not why, but she is clearly just like still upset and down. And it's kind of interesting to see her be that like moody because she seems so upbeat all the time. And then, and then they end up having this really emotional conversation. They're really, they're like sisters. Like they're like sisters who pick at each other on purpose and then make up and then do it all over again. I don't have a sister. So actually maybe I shouldn't say that. They are like what I see sisters in pop culture be like. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a sister either, but I do, I do agree with that where I, I think they're going to, always be in a perpetual cycle of like picking on each other and making up and picking on each other and making up. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's essentially the episode. Hopefully we get a little bit more fun in Anguilla. It doesn't look like. It seems like Uba gets activated next week. Okay, but I, um, am, ex- I am excited to see that. <laughs> uh, yes, I am curious to see how all of that unfolds. But um, Salt Lake City, season four, episode two, Vacation Crashers. Um... Did any of the new taglines stand out to you? I I know one. Um, yeah, I have three <laughs> written down. Okay, let's hear them. Lisa Barlow just well, Lisa Barlow eternally cracks me up, but the way that she's actually like incapable of putting on any sort of voice but her own is really funny. I always remember like in season one, it sounded like they recorded their taglines like in a Starbucks bathroom. Like they just sounded, it was like all during COVID and stuff. So everything was just so low rent, like anything they were doing post-production. But the way that she says her tagline, she's just like, I'm on a mission to serve Lisa. And I love that for myself. Like there's just, (laughs) there's no like even attempt to sort of, you know, put on her theatrical voice. Yeah. I'm on a mission. I'm reading it over now. I'm on a mission to serve Lisa. And I love that for myself. The taglines are always going to be about yourself, but the way that she has managed to self-center the already self-centered tagline is very impressive. 
Yeah. I I think my favorite, and I hope you have it written down because I don't, is Meredith's um, about the bath. Is that one? In a town full of dirty lies, everyone could use a bath. Yeah. When did this become a thing? This bath, this bath thing. Well, you I, like this tagline, Chelsea? Yes, because it's stupid. <laughs> it's it's like wildly so stupid to, to make your tagline out of something as petty as Whitney Rose saying, "I think it's a little germy to take a bath with two people." Like it bothered her that much that she's going to spin it and make it to something like of her advantage is so funny to me. It's so like ridiculously petty and like she takes herself so seriously that it she just, does. It really is hilarious. <laughs> See, I find it kind of embarrassing because Meredith's perpetual misunderstanding of what we like about her or of like what makes her a good housewife is she just, she's always kind of missing the mark. And of course, like she gives perhaps the performance of the season in just the last 10 second preview of this episode, which we'll eventually get to. It's like, I appreciate Meredith's presence on my screen, but if she thinks I appreciate the bath stuff, she's dead wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no thanks. Um, But we do get Lisa and Meredith Again, it seems like they're kind of giving their friendship a fresh start. They go on a walk together. I think it's good that they finally seem to put this behind them because if we had another season of the two of them like at odds, it it, it was starting to get really stale. Well, and there's them being at odds is real, you know, like it's a real broken friendship that they they either move past or they don't. There seems to like they seem to be not capable of an in the middle, much like neither of them are capable of wearing like a true sneaker on this walk. They are dressed. I mean, Lisa is at least like in some sort of, you know, like pretend platform leisure sneaker. Meredith is wearing a heeled Chelsea boot and metallic pants. Can you imagine walking in those pants? I would, I would have, I would have preferred a yoga pant and a Nike sneaker, but that's just me. If you're telling me, me we're going on a walk, that is my Tyler. Uh, and you can Lulu get, you know, you can get kind of a, a like a leather sneaker. look legging, but these are metallic. I wouldn't even go that far. <laughs> you will be lucky if you can recognize a brand name on my leggings. <laughs> um, these are from Big Lots. <laughs> But they they have they you know squash the beef they move on I hope this lasts throughout the season um but we do have a, a new beef uh, uh, on the horizon which to me is Heather needing to mind her own damn business um don't get involved with other people's children's life's decisions especially or religion the, or religion it's it's none of your business lady it's none of your business so. Heather and and uh, Whitney get together and do like a little hot spring. And within that, Heather points out, or at least, or all their names, uh, Whitney <laughs> points out that Lisa's son, Jack, is going to go on a Mormon mission. And Heather is take does she know what that is does she know what that means like that is so like blah blah blah. and it's like okay you know what heather maybe you wouldn't like that for your child and it doesn't seem like lisa is that thrilled about it for jack either but it's none of your goddamn business lady like 
Stop. Here's the thing. I actually think that like what Heather said to Whitney, although, you know, know your audience, Whitney is not to be trusted, but like, I think Heather's right. I agree with her. Lisa is not going on a mission kind of Mormon. Lisa is like, I live in Salt Lake City and I want to say I'm Mormon and I believe in God and I practice a few things. But like, go on a mission Mormon is not drinking Mormon. It's not drinking caffeine Mormon. It's Church of the Latter-day Saints Mormon. Like, But who's to say her son doesn't want to go on that journey for himself, though, you know? I, but I think that's what Heather is saying. And I, and I think that's what's obvious. Like, I just, it is complicated. And I think, I think Heather is allowed to have a lot of feelings about it as someone who was deeply harmed by the church and has seen a lot of people be deeply harmed by the church is that like, I could imagine her having like a true amount of concern for Lisa that Jack is going to go on this mission and he is going to become, if he is not already, a different kind of Mormon than Lisa. And like Heather is someone who has experienced that this is a pretty black and white situation within this church. I'm not like, I I think that's true. I just, I, I do agree with that. She can't say it to Lisa and she better not. Like you, it's, you can know something to be true. You can believe it and you don't have to say it because Lisa doesn't need that warning. She knows, she does know. Lisa knows too. Lisa's nearly crying every time she talks about it. I mean, she can't say it to Lisa. However, I don't think she could say it at all because she's on national television and Lisa's going to hear it regardless. So it's one of those things where it's like, if, if you want, like, I, I think, think it's one of those things that you to have concern about something and sure. to express that concern and say that you need to change something. Like, no, and I feel like Heather's not coming, like, she's coming from a place of concern, but I also think she's coming from a place of, like, I know best. And I just think when it comes to someone's child, it shouldn't, like, if Lisa was going on a mission, like, I think Heather has all the free reign to say whatever she wants. But because it's her child, I think it, there's a line there and like, yes, she has every right to say it, but I just think like, even though she didn't say it to Lisa directly, like she said it to an audience of two point whatever million people that watch Salt Lake City. So like Lisa's going to hear this. So it is in a way, weird reality TV way of her saying it to Lisa. So it's one of those things of like, if I would have reserved those feelings for myself or for people off camera. Like I wouldn't have brought this on camera because now it's going to be an issue on camera. Yeah, it's a good point, but I want her to say it on camera because that's realistic, you know? It's like, yeah, two parents get together and they talk a little shit about someone else's parenting or whatever. It's like, yeah, that definitely happens and you don't say it to the other person. Of course, they're being filmed, but that's kind of, the premise of the real yeah, housewives. housewives. It is. It is. It's just. It's a little. It's a little icky. As yeah, you oh, said, children. Oh, she's in the danger it's zone. Religion. Like, this is going to be a. This is going to be a big deal. This is going to be a problem for it's sure. Not good. And Heather doesn't have that kind of discretion. And she does. She is a know it all about this kind of stuff. So am I. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of discretion, the new housewife Monica seems to not have any discretion either. And I don't know if I will regret these words in the very near future. But I love this woman. I love Monica. I love her. I think she is Crying about being poor? Yeah, same. (laughs) 
so like <laughs> I find her to be so relatable. I also find her to be so honest. Her story about her father, like I need to, we need to dive in a little bit more about her father leaving and going to Florida and being a gay man. Like, yeah, she tells what? his whole story. And then she's like, I mean, I don't know a thing about him except that he was gay. He had a boyfriend and then he moved to Florida. I was like, that's a couple things. <laughs> yes, let's, get some, like- let's indent some bullet points below those. Get a full outline going, babe. Yes. Yes. So I, I love her. Um, and we also, we, and I love her, her family. Her mom seems amazing as well. Give me some more of her mom. Um, they are making little packages for her her brand called Brea Baby, which is a swaddle cloth company. Um, so she's talking to her mom, and that's when she relays the story about feeling embarrassed and ashamed that she went to Louis Vuitton store to um to get a a bag because she wants to impress all the women at, you know on the cast. And that also was just so relatable. And, and I think very, I don't know. It was just nice to see like a honest new housewife talk about how hard it is to keep up with the standards of some of these insane women. Yeah. And like, she, she's not there because she's rich, you know, like that's sometimes that is the reason that we get a housewife is because they're aspirational. They have an insane house. They have an insane wardrobe. Like that's not her deal. She's also in big lots leggings. She says explicitly like she's, she's, and she's also covered in spit up. I do not understand the age of ages of her children are like really, she has a really widespread age of daughters. Like I can't imagine single, I can't imagine single parenting, let alone like a baby to a teenager. Um, but you know, she's there for a reason. And so far she's great. She's really natural and she's compelling and she's really interesting. She also has dirt. I'm sure she can stand up for herself, but she seems also pretty nice. Like, yeah, at I least, really, right, you know, I, I really like her. like her and I really like her. I'm nervous to like her because I don't know, like, it seems like she's on the outs with some of the women. So I'm like, what happened? Um, but- I mean, she was Jen Shaw's assistant. Like, that's not, you know, a trustworthy role. I know that I shouldn't trust her, and yet I'm drawn to her. It's like, you know, it is like Jen Shaw all over again, sort of. But um, I also was like, yeah, I was emotional. I mean, she was really deeply emotional, sort of confessing this to her mom and then also to her oldest daughter that she bought this purse. She knew she shouldn't have done it. And then when she says, I just don't want them to make fun of me for having a smaller house. I was like, it really made me realize like what she's gotten herself into, you know? Cause like she wants to be there. Obviously this is income and it's in some ways easy income. You just have to be yourself and open yourself up to extreme ridicule. (laughs) That's all you have to do. (laughs) And so her biggest reveal of the episode wasn't that her fa- her father left the home and was a gay man. It was um, that she had an 18-month affair with her brother-in-law and has been excommunicated from the Mormon church. Um, on it, like... <laughs> I, <laughs> Pregnant pause. <laughs> when, when she said entanglement, this is not what I thought. 
a deep <laughs> entanglement. That's a that's a thick knot to make your way out of. 18 months is a pretty long time. Also, yeah, brother-in-law, she does go on to explain that it's her it was her husband's sister's husband. So I did appreciate that at least in having the affair, she didn't, you know, ruin it's not like she had an affair with his brother, which would ruin multiple families. She it's drew not... the line at two, not three. <laughs> oh my gosh, I die. I want to um, hear. I want to hear everything about this affair. I need to know more. And and we do learn, you know, this man that she had the affair with was not excommunicated from the church. He did not, I guess, see any did not get reprimanded in any way um, in his life. I'm curious if he's still married to the sister-in-law. But his standing in the church did not change whatsoever. However, she got kicked out. She doesn't have to wear the weird Mormon panties anymore. Um, which they I talk know a was lot a thing. about garments. Yes, they do. Um, Chelsea, if you have known me this long and you still don't know about Mormon garments, I'm afraid you're not listening. I talk I guess about them all the time. We're not friends. This is our this is our Roni fight. We're gonna <laughs> Jody, have to go. We're gonna why do go you not walk. open up to me? <laughs> I could not be more open on the Ringer Podcast Network <laughs> about Mormon garments and the culture of the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter Day Saints. Maybe I tune it out. <laughs> I, you definitely do. You're like, oh, Jody's talking about underwear again, which is a little bit how I felt in this episode. Like, oh, Heather's talking about garments again, because I think that Heather knows that like garments are one of the most fascinating things about the Mormon church. And she's just like, I'm going to give the people what they want. And yeah, I was wearing strange, ill-fitting biker shorts for 40 years, for so long. She, the, I loved Monica saying the first thing she did when she got excommunicated was go buy 30 thongs. Yes. I was like, ah, I would probably do the same. It's like, girl, Those you don't, don't even know what you like yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, she knows Slow she doesn't like a lot of clothing down there, apparently. Um, yes. Yeah, so I I think she's refreshing. I th- And I think she's funny. She's beautiful. I... I'm praying that I don't eat my words in a couple of episodes, but I'm I'm gonna have faith that all the other women are wrong and irrational and and whatever happens between her and them. And I think I'm just gonna ride Team Monica strong. Um, be a Monica loyalist. I, I think like I think she's fabulous. I um, loved her just coming right out with it too. She's like she has all these secrets on these people allegedly, and then she also has all these dark secrets. And she says. The true, it's best for me to just lay it on the table because everything always comes out. And the true power of owning your past and your present is no one can weaponize it against you ever. It's like, yeah, that's self preservation, baby. Yes. That should, new housewife Jen and OC needed to take new housewife Monica and Salt Lake's advice because. It, it is very much being weaponized against her in Orange County, but I, I don't see it being weaponized against Monica later on in the season. Um, however, this episode leads to this, you know, first cast trip of the season, which is in Palm Springs. They are going to the Trixie Motel. Um, and Meredith is hosting it. However, Whitney thought it'd be a good idea to bring Angie K along, even though Angie K was not invited. Meredith and Heather both don't like Angie K. Um, but Whitney's like, why not? Like, Meredith's mad at me because of the bath comment. I don't care. So I'm gonna bring Angie K. I like her. Um, 
So they arrive a couple hours early to Salt Lake. We don't get a lot of Mary this episode, but what we do get is Golden. Um, her calling in advance to see if Trixie has 2003 Dom Perignon and then being upset when Which, they don't. If my memory serves me correctly, is the one that she told the women is so delicious because there was a heat wave that year. So a bunch of people died and um, all the death in the soil made the 2003 particularly comely. <laughs> yes. So I, I I don't think you're wrong there. Um, yes. Yeah, so that was hilarious. And then her reaction to Lisa losing the $60,000 ring in the Palm Springs airport bathroom. I mean, that, that sentence period um, is crazy. Um, Lisa's ring fell off while she was pulling her pants up or something. And I, I, did they say they were looking for it for about an hour? Like, what was the time? Yeah, I think it? Monica was in there digging through trash cans, like, doing her new girl duty for, like, four, <laughs> 45 minutes. And this ring did not come up. Um, and Lisa is just going on and on and on about it. And Mary says, you know, at some point, you're just going to have to let it go. <laughs> and that point is now, after an hour. <laughs> we're tired of hearing about it. I mean, it's kind of like I said about Aaron, like, I get it. Lisa's annoying. Like, <laughs> listening to her talk about that and saying the same lines over and over. It's and so sentimental. Being like, it's just so sentimental. Also, I don't know. It's like, you know, I don't know. Maybe this is, again, because I'm not a married woman, but it is sentimental, but it's also just a $60,000 diamond ring. You know what I mean? It's like, if you have 60000 other dollars, then I actually believe that replacing it precisely wouldn't well, change anything. I also didn't understand. Like, was it her wedding band or was it, it was just one a of ring like that he six gave her? Wedding bands, I think. Okay, then like, like she has a stack. Yeah, of I think uh, like at least four bands, and as she also kept saying, this was the big one. Like, yeah. <laughs> this was the biggest. This was the emerald cut, and I mean, yeah, it was like crazy diamonds. Um, but that's not. John could just give it to you again. Yeah. Like, let's just be honest that it's losing $60,000. Like, that's a problem. Th that's what I would be more freaked out about. Um, but I'm sure the ring is insured. Like, I'm sure there's... Wait, like... It, it, I would be more embarrassed that I lost that than, like, like, oh, my God, how irresponsible of me. Like, I... Also, I just wouldn't wear that... Uh, uh, yeah, I want to be clear. I'm not I'd Lisa be losing Barlow. my shit. I'd be so much more annoying than Lisa. And like, I'm trying to think of what the equivalent of something worth $60,000 is to me, like maybe $5,000. Like if I messed something up in my, like lost something, broke something truly valuable right before I was about to go on a trip, I'd be insufferable. Jody, like, I just bought a $55 ring. If I lose that, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> Don't wear it to BravoCon, Chelsea. We do not have the time for you to throw a fit. Um, but yeah, so the ladies are on their way to the Trixie Motel, not knowing. I also thought it was hilarious that Lisa kept bringing up, have you heard from Whitney? When's Whitney getting here? Is Whitney coming? Why is Whitney? Um, and Whitney is already lounging poolside with Angie Kay, laughing about her diabolical plan to spring her on to both Meredith and uh, Heather. And yeah, the episode ends on a little cliffhanger. The women about to open the door of the hotel. 
but we do get. I like. I can't wait for next week because we get a, a very well. We get a very drunk Heather Gay. It seems like she was chugging espresso martinis. Did not look delightful. I don't want to. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> did not is look she, delightful. She, but well, she I was guess vomiting. I can, she was but vomiting. It also looks. Like, I don't. I don't know if I. It also looks like she's peeing. <laughs> watch the clip. I'll it's have like. To. I mean, <laughs> it's like there is a there is a trickle coming down and it could just be coming straight through this like grocery bag that she's puking into. But like there's a that's not just there's a lot happening. Like she has to have gotten food poisoning. Like that could not just be one too many espresso martinis. Next week looks insane. Really quick, before we get to the Meredith Marks preview, actually two things. One, Whitney, this drives me crazy what Whitney is doing. It's such a facade, like it's such a it's so overproduced and like her, like her acting like, oh, I didn't even think about that. This might make Heather mad to me. It's like the worst of Whitney and the worst of Salt Lake City is like when they just completely overproduce something like this. But we'll see how it goes. The second thing is that I will not let us log off before we talk about the scene where Meredith announces in a fur double-breasted blazer. I was already looking at this confessional outfit, like unable to believe it. And then to hear the words come out of her mouth, Seth and I have decided to start a podcast. I was like, get the fuck out of here. What is happening? Can you think of any two worse people? Oh, I already subscribed already. Oh, Chelsea. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Oh, I so fully believed you. You would. You absolutely would. That's not, that's not my. And you know um, what? You will. You will, because I need you to listen to it, because I can't do it. (laughs) I'll see what kind of guests they got on there. But um, the the main event of of next week's episode seems to be this huge fight between Angie Kay and Meredith, in which Meredith. Yells, you can leave. Um, to to Angie K. But do it, do it right, what? do it right. Say you can leave right. <laughs> you can leave. <laughs> um, you but- can leave. <laughs> like she is. Like her jaw is just doing something I've never seen before. But what really keeps me up at night is her rambling to Lisa Barlow about. You don't want me to tell us secrets that I will by your husband. If I were to go for the jugular and talk about this, sh- the rumors and nastiness about her, well, we can do that. Do you okay. know what? You want me to go there with her husband? I can go there. The husband. She says the word rumors in like a way. She says other rumors. <laughs> Like, just a way she, the way that she is in, I mean, whatever cocktail of products she is on, I think probably should be taken off the market. (laughs) Yeah. Next week looks insane. I I cannot wait. This episode, you guys, was insane. We recapped five shows, gave you some remarkable news. And, you know, we appreciate you hanging along with us on this this journey. Uh, Next week, we will you know, do it all again. And hopefully our girl, Rachel will be back holding down the fort and yeah, Jody love talking to you. <laughs> Talk to you later, Chow. Talk to you later.
This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.